0: chapter 15 verse 22 it says and they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha which means the place of the skull they offered him wine drugged with myrrh but he refused it then the soldiers nailed him to the cross they divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece it was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him a sign announced the charge against him it read the king of the jews Two revolutionaries were crucified with Him, one on His right, one on His left. The people passed by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at Him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. Verse 31, the leading priests and teachers of religious laws also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so he can see it. We can see it rather and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. I want to preach to you from a topic that arrested my heart through this week and was confirmed last night as I was holding my two-year-old. I've gotta give a lot of uh, endorsements to my two-year-old. I get my greatest God inspiration when she's in my arms. Uh, but but it's, it's a thought, it's an idea around the things that happened in the life of Jesus which seemed like everything was going in the opposite direction, but it was nothing but confirmation of everything that needed to happen. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is When the hero dies, why don't we pray? Father, I thank you. I pray, God, that this this moment, this message, this word would be relevant, that you would be able to use what I say to specifically speak through your Spirit, Holy Spirit, into people's hearts, into their souls, into their minds, into their spirit, into their situation, into their family life, into everything that their hands are attached to. That this word would be so specific that it shall not return void. We give you all the glory. We thank you once again for the privilege of being able to gather. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The last two years have been quite um, interesting. Thank you, worship team. You guys have been fantastic. Last two years have been interesting in the life of, of, of in, in life, generally. I was going to say life of our church, but globally, it's sort of like, there's this one thing after the other, last two years. And I, I would not be, I, I don't need to be a prophet to know that each of us have had some sort of setbacks, some sort of pain, some sort of loss, some sort of, I mean, there's been good things, no doubt about it. We've had blessings on the way, but there has been challenges also, well and truly. And as I was preparing this message and the idea came about, this thought about when the hero dies. I don't know about you, but I like to watch a good movie. There's nothing wrong in watching a good movie. I think we've got to be careful what we watch. Uh, I like movies, not because I like the movie in itself, but I guess I love stories. I think we all love stories. And so the reason why we like movies is because it's the playing out of a story, right? But when we talk about a movie, we've got favorite actors and actresses. One of my favorite actors is Matt Damon. Who likes Matt Damon? He's pretty cool, you know what I'm saying? Born identity, guys, doesn't know who he is, and spending three, you know, five hours of, of, of film reel to find out who he is, sort of like a lot of us as Christians. We are born with something on the inside, but don't know who we are and going to spend all of our life here not discovering who we are in Christ. I mean, that's a message in itself. And so you've got Matt Damon, right? And, but, but the reality is there are some, there are some actors that we watch because we just know they're good quality actors, but sometimes they, 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 they act in like a movie that's not scripted well, you know what I'm talking about. But we still watch because we just think that this guy or this girl has the ability to redeem the movie somehow. We, we buy into the person and so we watch the movie. But what makes it worse is let's say you're watching a movie and it's going south and you're not sure where it's going, and then the main character who you've been following dies. What are you going to do? It's like, oh my gosh, well, it's, like, it's like the time when Captain America died. Some of you are like, did he die? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you haven't watched it, you're not going to watch it. It's been a few years ago, so it's all good, right? So, so, so it's sort of like one of those things of, um, of like how, when they die, it's like everything falls apart. It's like, what is this all about? And, and the Jesus story, the, the story of the gospel at this particular moment, what, what we come around is the moment when the Savior of the world Dies, Jesus is dead. The healer, the redeemer, the provider, the savior, the one that they've been prophesying about. Everything sounds like a movie gone rogue. Someone had an argument and they've just they've, they've, they've changed the script altogether. Jesus should have been the one that's supposed to take the Roman Empire down, he was supposed to be the one that was supposed to bring victory to Israel, or they thought. And, and it just seems like everything seems wrong and that's the moment that we're going to step into. And I want to identify three things that happened to Jesus that seems like it should not happen to the hero. But somehow God uses those three things and positions him into where he needs to be. we got to understand this. Three things. The first thing that we notice, there's many things that happen. We don't have too much time to look into everything, but three things that I think we're gonna find common ground with this. The first thing we notice is Jesus was betrayed. Betrayed. I know for a fact that we've all had betrayals over the last two years. It's not necessarily betrayal directly towards us, but even I've heard of, or, or, or even in my world, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to pastors, when it comes to leaders, uh, when it comes to people that I've looked up to that have fallen or there's been things or stories and people that, people that people that were once saved not, not walking with God've we've had we've had relationship dramas we've been unfriended, you've been ghosted you've been left unread. Uh, we've all had situations like that and I think it's accelerated in the last two years. no doubt if you if you haven't, I would love for you to pray for me because I need your life right now, right? But, but I think for 99% of us, I think we've had relationship situations. Things have erupted over the last two years. And I want us to identify with Jesus this morning. Because if we complain about our relationships, what you've got to understand is Jesus lived, traveled, literally boarded with these guys, And and these guys were there with him at his highest moments. He was there for them at their lowest moments, when they were shipwrecked, when they were starving, when they had no money to pay their taxes. Every moment Jesus has come along and been that friend, been that leader, been that teacher, been that master, been that savior, but yet in his moment, they abandoned him. We can look at this as one of the lowest moments because, see, the thing is, we we sometimes underwrite relationships, but relationships have a big effect on us. It's not that we want to have too many friends, but it's the few friends that we have we want to have meaningful relationship with. And there are variances of relationship that we have. Lee and I, we have the relationship that, that we call marriage, and it's a deep relationship. And the reason why relationships have such a big effect on us It's not because we just want to be friendly with everyone, but because relationship has the effect of affecting our lives. The reason why so many people feel negative and rejected and abandoned and even sense a lack of purpose is because when they lose a friend, they actually lose a part of themselves. They lose a memory. They lose a moment. They lose an experience. It's an experience, great experiences that they've had, but they don't even want to relive it anymore or mention it anymore. They unsubscribe to the memory that comes back up on their newsfeed when, it, when it's the 10th anniversary of that friend that I don't even talk to anymore. We, we, we pull back from it because it's a part of us that needs to die in the moment. That's why we feel the pain of relationship. And I think when I'm speaking to a room this size, there would be at least 85% of us that have had some sort of Relationship situations come up along the way that we've gone, oh, I wish I could have done better. I wish that would have happened. Maybe some of us are on the other end where we've, we've paused at the bus stop of regret, saying, if I could go back in time and patch this, and maybe if I said that, or maybe if I did that, or maybe if I didn't do that, or maybe if they did not do that, and we rehearse in our minds, sort of every time repeating what could have been, the possibilities of maybe restoring this relationship. Why do we do that? But the danger of that is also that so many times we stop living and stop believing and stop trusting and stop engaging and stop connecting with people around us that God has put in our world because of a broken relationship. But what I want to say to you is what is interesting about this powerful thing is the reason why Jesus was so at peace about all the abandonment he felt was because he recognized that this was the fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, Zechariah prophesies about this abandonment, and Isaiah prophesies about this abandonment. Even David in the book of Psalm 41, verse 9, he says, Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his hand against me, his heel against me, my own friend, you talk about Jesus and Judas that friendship that they had, they ate together, my own friend that I dined with, that I met with, that I was in friendship with, that we went to places together with, that we saw miracles with that we saw Lazarus being risen from the dead, that we saw tumors being fallen out and blind eyes open and demons coming out, these friends of mine that I've had moments with yet they've abandoned me, Jesus was in perfect peace because he recognized that this was a prerequisite that he needed to go into before he could go into the next dimension of his calling. And I say that to you today because some of us might have had relationship disasters. But I want to speak fresh hope this morning by telling you that God is going to even use those things to propel you into the next you, into the next thing that he has for you into the next plans and purposes that he has for you. But so many times we are, we are disappointed and discontent and saying, I don't want to, no, 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 you got to understand it. It was part of the plan. I love what it says. Jesus knew these things were to happen. It was the fulfillment of the word. I wonder what the fulfillment of the word is for my life and your life. I love the word fulfillment. It feels very full. <laughs> but but what if the fulfillment is a bit of abandonment? What if the fulfillment is a bit of of, 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 of loneliness, what of the, what the fulfillment requires a bit of losing some great relationships. And I think that's where some of us are, but I want to encourage you this morning to step up again, to recognize that every loss that you've had relationally could be part of the plan, that even when the enemy came in that relationship and threw in jealousy and gossip and malice and bitterness and lies and half truth. That God can utilize that to propel you into your destiny. We must understand this one thing that Jesus did not come to planet Earth to heal a few people and feed 5,000. He didn't even come to raise Lazarus, that was just things that he did out of pure recreation. He came to die. And to rise from the dead for you and me so that we can be in perfect liberty, harmony, and in relationship with God. Jesus' personality, everything Jesus did before that was just a shadow of the personality of God. He was just being the nature of God. But so many times we get caught up in that, that we don't recognize that it's in this, that sometimes God is building the greatest truth that, we, that He's called us to carry. So many times we look at the highlight reel of our journey with God, not at the lowest valleys. I like what Billy Graham says. He says, it's in the highest mountain that you get the best views, but it's only in the lowest valleys that you get the best fruit. And and it's just amazing because so many of us have stopped thinking about connections, about stepping into what God has for us because of maybe losses that we've come, that we faced along the way. But for Jesus to fulfill his destiny, he needed to go through betrayal. He needed to go through being denied. He needed to go through abandonment. He needed to go through loneliness. And so my friend, if you have gone through any of these things, welcome to the next dimension. (laughs) Welcome to the next thing that God has for you. Yes, it's painful. And I'm not trying to minimize the ache. But I also want to maximize the purpose that God has for you. The next thing I see in this text is he was not just betrayed, but he was also bruised, beaten, broken, wounded. I like what my wife did when she jumped up here and did communion. She broke the bread. She didn't even know what I was talking about, but it was a prophetic declaration of something being broken so that we can experience wholeness. How contrary is that to our thinking? That how can it be broken when you're expecting that to be made whole? But again, the Bible educates us that his body needed to be broken for our wholeness. In fact, prophet Isaiah prophesies about the bruising that Jesus receives. Isaiah 53 verse three, it says, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He turned our backs on him, we turned our backs on him And looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed how powerful is that it's crazy that Jesus would have to endure all this pain all this torture all this torment all this brokenness for my wholeness and we got to understand this and I'm going to go somewhere this morning in this thought that probably might be a bit confounding and I will give it a, a bit of a disclaimer midway as I'm treading on this thought and idea as I share it. But I want to propose to you that when Jesus resurrected, I believe he was completely whole, completely healed. He was not walking around, you know, limping or, you know, bones broken, none of that. But I do believe that Jesus carries the, car, the scars on his arms that show where the nails went through. Because you notice in the text that later on when he reveals himself to Thomas, he says, put your fingers through the scars. And, and, and I, don't, I don't have a scripture to further this, but I know of men and women, women of God that have had encounters with Jesus. And one of the ways, in fact, we've known Muslims that have had encounters of Jesus and the way they knew it was Jesus was because they saw the scars on his arms, a symbol of the nail. And I want to say this to you, that God will heal us but sometimes a scar might remain. We, we, we find that perplexing because yes, God is a God of wholeness and God is a God of complete new. And yes, yes, it is all, all that. But, 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 but here's the thing. There are scars that we get in battle and there are scars that we get in birthing. Anybody that's given birth to a baby know what I'm talking about. I call it stretch marks. But they're different kinds of scars. There's scar that lies, there's beauty in the scar. There's a message in the scar. There's a story in the scar. There's a strength in the scar. And you've got to understand this, that some of the bruising that you've received over the last season, over the last two years, over the last two months, over the last six months, over the last week maybe, could be scars where you're going to get incredible strength from. So many times we say to God, take away the scars. Yes, he will take away the pain. He will take away the damage. He will take away the bleeding. But sometimes he will leave a scar to let us know that he's making beauty from ashes. Maybe you're not fully there yet. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible of a guy called Samson. Samson was anointed, grace by God, carried incredible strength, took things down, destroyed things, took care of the Philistines, led the nation of Israel for 40 years, but he was a bit wild went and did a few things that later would make him regret. And the Bible says that his anointing lifted from him, his strength was gone. And there's a moment just before Samson is about to die where his hair is growing back, which is what grace does. Grace grows your hair back grace restores, grace redeems, grace, re- you gotta shout and thank God for the grace of God. If you don't know anything, that's, that's a shouting moment right there. That's a thanking God moment. His hair's growing back. You might have had a haircut. Things might have cut you back. Life might have taken you backwards. You might have had a pay cut. You might have had a setback. But we have a God who allows things to grow in his time. It's about to grow back in Jesus' name. And so Samson's hair is growing back. And there's a moment where Samson looks up to heaven and he says, Father, anoint me this one more time. And the Bible says, God re anointed him. <laughs> and he took out more than he ever did in 40 years of leading the nation of Israel. But you know, the Bible leaves one little interesting detail. And the detail is this that God returned his strength, but did not take off his blindness. The scar cost a dependency to rely on God for vision. Sometimes my deficiency caused me to become more dependent. And some of us have been asking God to take away the scars and God says, no, I will restore you, but your scars is where your strength lies. But well, we've learned to play church where we will wear long sleeves so we, ca- we cover the scars so that nobody sees our scars because I just want to look like a strong guy. But God says, show your scars because people will find strength in your scars. I remember when I was going through the season, I met a pastor 18 months ago, and he gave me a word. It was an interesting word. I was trying to look more about it. And he said to me, he had a knowledge of warfare, and, you know, everyone's got their own fantasies and passions, and he loves studying about warfare. And he told me about the sword, and he said to me about how the sword is very unique, that a lot of times people think a new sword is the best sword. But the reason why the commander's sword or the king's sword is so significant is because it's been exposed in many battles and what happens when a sword is exposed in many battles is it gets it gains scars of its own it needs to return to the blacksmith but each time it goes back it goes back stronger and so that's why it was it was it was in 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 the days of war uh, it was it was a sense of pride to carry the sword of the commander because that sword is the strongest sword of the army and I feel like saying that to somebody in this room that you've been like a sword that the enemy, you've been in battle and you've had a few cracks. You've had things broken off you, things chipped off you, things come off. But you, you put yourself at the feet of the blacksmith and you're going to come back stronger. You're going to come back stronger into that battle. You're going to go stronger into the next season of your life. I think the front two rows are convinced. So I'm going to keep pounding this point. I'm going to talk to you about a guy called Jacob. The Bible talks about how Jacob wrestled with God. My theology teaches me that anytime I see God, I should come out whole. But the Bible says that he wrestled with God and God took his, his hips out of joint. Never does it say that God restored his hip. But it says for all the days of Jacob's life he walked with a limp and the children of Israel never ate of the hip as a sense of devotion of the encounter Jacob had with God which is what God is doing in you. He's going to use your scars to influence the people around you to recognize that God is real and God is true. He's going to use your scars to strengthen the things around you. That is why Jesus, his body needed to be made broken so that you and I can receive strength from his scars. I love the story of Thomas. Thomas puts his fingers in the scar of Jesus. Most of you don't know this. In the later part of his life, Thomas travels to India. I'm standing on this platform because Thomas preached the gospel to my forefathers centuries ago that saw the Indian subcontinent saved. The scars of Jesus strengthened the ministry of Thomas, enabled him to travel to the unknown land, to speak to a nomadic tribe that worshipped idols, to expose them to real God. This is what God can do with a scar in your life. He can strengthen you. Come on, let's take a moment to thank our God for the strength we receive from the scars that we have. The third thought that I have on this, many, we can go in many directions, but... Due to lack of time, there's the the word buried. The body was buried in a tomb. Buried. Betrayed. Broken. Buried. The body was buried. My inspiration for this thought, unfortunately, is not the Bible. (laughs) Well, there's was a post I saw on Facebook. And the post was a person that showed a picture of two dirt fields. And the message underneath the picture was, what's the difference? Field covered with dirt. Picture A. Picture B, field, field covered with dirt. And then it says swipe right or swipe left. Swipe left to see what's the difference. So picture A had nothing underneath it. But picture, fi- picture B was a field Filled with seeds planted the day before. Ready for the harvest. See, when you look at something that's buried, when you look at something that's dry, when you look at something that's dead, it looks like it's dead. But it's maybe a seed. See, this is what the devil got wrong when he tried to kill Jesus. This is what the devil got wrong when he raised the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all these other people that caused all sorts of lies to come to accuse the devil. The devil was having the biggest laugh in hell when he was thinking, "The devil, this is over, it's dead, it's gone, he's dead, he's watching as he gives up his last breath. Little did he know that when they put Jesus in a tomb, he wasn't being buried, he was being planted. He was being planted for you and me. The reason why we're here is because we are the offsprings. We are the tree. We are the fruit. When Jesus died, he saw you and me. He saw the harvest. He saw what was there. And I want to say this to you this morning. There are so many in this room that have buried a dream, that have buried a gift, that have buried a calling, that have buried a message, that have buried an anointing, that have buried a musical gift, that have buried a singing gift, that have buried a speaking gift, that have buried a business gift. Can I say to you, while you're burying it, plant it. Plant it. Plant it in the presence of God. Plant it in the Word of God. People might not know what's in you, but if God knows what's in you and if you've surrendered what's in you, God can take that and bring forth a harvest, of 30, a 60, a 100 fold for the glory of God. If I can get the worship team up, that would be fantastic. But that's what God wants. The betrayal, the brokenness, the burial. He uses all things together for those of us that are called according to his purpose. I believe in this room there are people that have experienced betrayal, people that have experienced brokenness, People that feel, maybe you, you're like, it's not my gift. I feel buried. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows who I am. I don't know if anybody sees anything. You feel buried. And, and I want to encourage you to get planted. Planted in the things of God. Planted in the presence of God. Planted in the word of God. Planted in the promises of God. Yes, you may not have the recognition or the, or, or, or the approval or the favor. Or, but but just, just get it planted in God's presence and see what he will do. See what he will do. I believe there are people in this room going through brokenness, saying, "Why am I so broken, God? I thought I, I thought you had a greater purpose for my life, and wh- why why is it that it feels like things have cut, come to a standstill and things have come to a cut short, and feels like I had bigger dreams and feels feels like there were greater promises and feels like there were more things, but there's this issue, this brokenness that I'm facing, this health issue, this. Whatever it is or maybe it's a relationship thing where, where, where there was strength in your relationship but that's been weakened and you're sort of like, where, where does that go? You know the answer to all this, be it betrayal, be it brokenness, be it being buried, it's not to come to anybody, it's to come to Jesus. That's what I love about Jesus among other gods. Not that there are any But among other gods, among other principalities, Jesus is the only God who's been betrayed, who's been broken, who's been buried. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become his righteousness. He knows, he feels, he understands, he's by your side, he's close, he's near. left heaven to be by your side. He left his throne to come beside us. Do you know why he did that? Because as amazing as heaven is, he knew heaven is incomplete without you. He knew heaven needs you. Heaven's missing a lamp. Heaven's missing a light. Heaven's missing a bulb. It's got your name on it. It doesn't. People say it doesn't make sense what Jesus did what He did. But when you encounter His love, when you actually know how much He loves you, it makes perfect sense. It, it doesn't make sense in the wisdom of the world, but it makes sense in the wisdom of heaven. It doesn't make sense to the human mind, But it makes sense to the spirit mind. It makes sense. And this morning, he's beside you in your betrayals. He's beside you in your brokenness. He's beside you in your burials. He's beside you. Don't 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 think he's not. He's resurrected. he's a king that still has a tear in his eyes he's whole but he still carries a scar on his hands that's our king that's our Lord that's our Savior don't think you need to hide the scars to come into his presence no come as you are take off the robe of righteousness take off the robe of impression take off the robe of perfection gets you It's him Don't be deceived that it's your girlfriend who gets you Don't be deceived that it's your boss that gets you Don't be deceived that it's Centaling that gets you No Don't be don't, don't be deceived that that Amazon business plan gets you Don't don't be don't be deceived that Tinder gets you No There's anyone that gets you It's him Let's come into his presence I want to put forth in your but I, I, I think it would be, be wrong for me to not put forth an invitation to a person that feels far from God this morning. So every eye closed, every head bowed. And you're saying, I feel far from God. I, I do not know where I am with Jesus. I do not know where my faith is. So maybe you, you don't have a relationship. And if, if, you, if you can't really say you do have one, maybe you don't. And right now in this atmosphere, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, and you're saying, I need to put my trust in Jesus one more, I want to put my hands in the hand of the Savior that left heaven for me. That is you with every eye closed in God's presence. I want you to slip your hands up so I can recognize you and and include you in this prayer. You're saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Don't be shy this morning. Bravely put those hands up higher. See that hand. probably have gone through betrayal, brokenness, the burial and feel a bit abandoned, feel a bit lost, feel a bit, I don't know. And you feel like I wanna, I wanna just go into his presence right now. I just wanna, I just wanna take all this betrayal, this betrayal basket, this broken basket this buried basket and just bring it at his feet. I've forgotten that he knows and he sees and he can strengthen me. If that is you right now, slip your hands up and you say, that's me, that's me, that's me. Pray for me, include me. The hands going up across the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up across the room. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you. Why don't we say this prayer together to our Jesus? I thank you that you are close. that you know my pain my grief my brokenness than anybody else sometimes I forget and I think I've got to have it all together to come to you but here I am bruised betrayed buried broken before you strengthen me God fill me Your spirit, we worship you, Jesus. You're good, God. You're amazing, Jesus. We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name.